Norwegian public officials interested in giving the companies taxpayer dollars for public transit contracts. For the companies, it's an appealing new way to establish themselves as vital infrastructure, especially in low-density communities like Altamont, where running traditional mass transit can be expensive. Given the pace at which these partnerships are coming together, it's possible to imagine ride-hail companies taking on the role of all-encompassing, smartphone-driven public transit providers, one town at a time. But for some transit advocates, the embrace of Uber and its competitors risks undermining civic ideals of accessibility and transparency. In Altamont, there are already signs that these concerns could be warranted. The pilot program is unusable for people without a smartphone or credit card, and the company attempted to have the city sign an unusually far-reaching non-disclosure agreement. Ultimately, critics worry that if these programs succeed, they could pluck the affluent commuters who wield real political influence off trains and buses, leading to a crisis of declining ridership and decreasing clout for traditional public transportation. Uber has so far been pitching itself as a supplement to existing transit programs, rather than a replacement. But in June of last year, for the company's five-year anniversary, Uber CEO Travis Kalanick envisioned a future where increasing efficiency would make Uber cost-competitive, not just with owning a car, but with traditional mass transit. When drivers drop off a customer only to pick up another, chained together in a perpetual trip, Kalanick said, not only is it much less expensive than taking a cab or owning a car, it has the potential to be as affordable as taking a subway or a bus or other means of transportation. And that's what we believe is the real game changer. Those are the things we'll be working on in years to come. With the help of public subsidies, that future is coming fast. The speed with which Uber has entered the public transit sector has stunned industry activists. It's happening very quickly, says Lawrence Hanley, the international president of the Amalgamated Transit Union. It's like a tsunami. I didn't have an hour to spare getting across town to meet Martz, so government Uber was the obvious choice. Opening the app, I noticed a new option had appeared next to UberX, an Altamont car. Upon being scooped up by an off-duty drug counselor in a sleek Chrysler, it became clear that the app had so seamlessly incorporated the municipal transit program as to, aside from the car name, wholly hide its civic underpinning. It was Uber as usual in every way, but cheaper. Indeed, most of the Uber drivers who shuttled me around town that week told me they had no idea their rides were being subsidized by the government. It wasn't until I arrived at City Hall that I fully understood the aggressively suburban layout of Altamont. I had imagined Martz's office as being inside a stately administrative building somewhere central. But though it's technically a municipality, Altamont has nothing resembling a center. Its low-slung City Hall sits anonymously, amid a cluster of one-story gray-brick buildings off the six-lane State Road 436 largely hidden by the Altamont Executive Center strip mall. Martz led me into his conference room and took a seat in front of a floor-to-ceiling city map, which, because of Altamont's curly-cue suburban street scheme, could double as patterned wallpaper. 
he wasted little time in noting, with a prideful note of irony, that the building that once housed the regional commuter rail headquarters was where he had conceived the first fully smartphone-driven public transit network. A former minor league baseball player, Martz has a sturdy frame and speaks with prim efficiency, but he slips into exuberance when discussing his long-delayed success in bringing demand-responsive public transit to Altamont. We recognized this much earlier than most, that the issue of transit usage was not about infrastructure, Mart said. It's about convenience and control. When Martz dialed Uber in November, the company jumped at his inquiry. Within two weeks of the call, an Uber manager flew from Washington, D.C. to Orlando to meet with him, he says. After two months of discussions, Uber sent Martz a chart laying out the policy.